So Ephesians chapter 2 from verses 14 to 22. But let me start by reading from verse 11 actually because this is the second part of a same of the same sermon. Um, verse 11. Therefore remember that you you who are formerly who, who, remember that formerly you who are gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world but now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he is our peace who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations his purpose was to create in himself one humanity out of two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near for through him we both have access to the father by one spirit consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we have kids today, so I have to um, think about how to adjust the sermon in order for them to understand. Um, uh, so I'm going to try and, and, and uh, be as clear as I can and use as simple words as I possibly can with the notes in front of me. In the world that we live in now, where the idea of friendship has changed by, has changed a lot. A large part of it is because of the technology and the access that we have to one another. So now you can send an email to a friend in Cape Town. You can send them uh, a WhatsApp voice note. Something that never used to happen before, especially when these 
letter was written. Now you can, have, you can maintain a friendship with someone without necessarily having physically met them or even physically uh, meeting them to continue their friendship. We make friends online, we make friends at work, on our way to work, from work. We make friends at school. Even when you are sitting at home, you can actually make friends without going outside of your house. We make friends when we are enjoying hobbies together. Some of us have millions of friends or followers. People who are interested in our lives, who care about what we do what, and what, what goes on. People whom we share things with. People that we send pictures about what we ate for breakfast. People who know our weight, who know our fitness regime, who know what we eat uh, because we let them know, who know our, uh, what, what, favorite mo- um, or what our favorite movies are. People who know about our families. People who see our children grow up as they see their pictures and videos online. Just as it is, it is easy to have a friend, quote-unquote, or a follower today, it is also just as easy to lose those friends. It is just as easy for people to unfriend you with a click of a button. It is just as easy for people to ignore you as you call them by pressing that red button for people to want nothing to do with you, just as it is easy to make the friends. We have, a, we have this buffet, as it were, of friendships that you can choose, you can pick and choose, you can have a lot. But at the same time, we are some of the loneliest people that have ever lived. Because we live far from each other. We are disconnected from each other. Our friendships are, sh- are shallower than before because they are based on not on who we are but on how we portray ourselves to others. This idea of uh, friendships is undermined, is encouraged, yes, by technology. But it's also undermined by technology. You can lose a friendship just like that. This morning we are looking at the book of Ephesians. And it speaks about the, our unity in Christ. Or it speaks about friendship. And what God does is that he bases our friendship on something stronger than accepting an invite. On something stronger than a WhatsApp message or, or a voice note. On something stronger than uh, getting people to like the things you post online. On something stronger than, a, I don't know, having experienced something in a trick together at some point. Now you are friends with that person. And you feel bad to unfriend them because you went to school together. Our friendship in Christ is based on something 
much stronger. And therefore, because it is based on something stronger, it, it, it will take a significant, a strong thing to break it up. What is it based on? Uh, we're going to look back in the book of Ephesians briefly for those who have not been following. So, our friendship is based on the fact that all of us have been rescued from sin. All of us have been rescued from sin. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3, just as a reminder. It starts by saying, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live. Verse 3, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following our own desires. Paul started speaking to, them, to these people who are not Jews. He says, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. And then he says, he turns to himself in verses 3. He says, also, us as well, not just you as the Gentiles and non-Jews, but also me and my people. We lived for ourselves. We lived to gratify, to, gratify, to satisfy our own hearts. We lived to do what we wanted to do, following our own desires and not following the desires of God. And as a result of that, at the end of verse 3, we deserved to be punished. We deserved to be uh, eternally punished by God, verses 3, like the rest. We are by nature deserving wrath. Because God is holy, He is good. He does not tolerate sin. So therefore, anything that is, um, that is sinful should be removed from Him. And anyone who sins deserves to be punished by God. Paul says, I deserve to be punished. You deserve to be punished. However, just as we are both, all of us are sinful, you and I, all of us have been brought near to God by the sacrifice of Christ, which is what we looked at last week, verses 13 of chapter 2. All of us have been brought near to God by the sacrifice of Christ, verses 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away. Why were you far away? You were far away because of your sin. You are far away because God does not tolerate anything that is not good near him. You now have been brought near because of Christ Jesus. Because of Christ Jesus' death at the cross. Because of his blood shed for you. Because you have put your faith in him. You can now come closer to God. You can now have friendship with God. You can now be united with God. You can now be called a child of God. You can now, the, uh, the, 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 the term being used in the book of Ephesians, is that you can now be called a citizen. 2 verse 12. Not a foreigner. Not an alien. 
You cannot be called a citizen, someone who belongs by right to God's family. All of us were sinful, deserving wrath, deserving punishment, but now all of us who are trusting in Jesus Christ have been brought near to God because of his death. What Christ did, therefore, is not only what you have seen so far is that um, Christ has brought people who are sinful near to himself, both Jew and Gentile. So you can imagine there's, there's a Jew, there's a Gentile. He has brought them near to himself and says, you are, you are welcome to come to me. But God goes further than that. He says, not only is what I did going to break the barrier between you and me, between you, the sinner, and I, God, but what I did is also going to break the barrier between yourselves as well. The basis of you having a relationship with me is because of the blood of Jesus Christ and trusting in him and trusting in what he has done. But also, the basis of your relationship with one another is also that same blood. It's also that same person, Christ Jesus. How does it do this, God? We saw last week that Jews and Gentiles were not people who were friendly towards one another. They did not like each other at all. But what has Christ done? He himself became their peace. Verses 14. Verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility. Again in verse 17, He came and He preached peace to you who were far away and preached to those who were near. Those who were far away, in verse 17, were the Gentiles who did not know God, who had no relationship with God whatsoever. The Jews were much nearer. They had some, uh, they, they, they had some access to God. And Christ came and he preached peace to both. And he said, you Gentile, come closer. To you, Jew, come closer to me. Now the dividing wall of hostility has been broken between God and yourself. But however, God has broken, not, has not only broken the wall between God between himself and the sinners, but he has also broken the wall between sinners themselves. Verses 14. He has made the two groups, two separate groups, one in Christ. He has destroyed the dividing wall, the barrier. He has removed what made them to see themselves different, to see one as better than the other. He has removed, verses 15, the laws that God had put on the people of Israel, 
that says, in order for you to be separate, this is a, these are the laws you should keep. In order for this house to be separate, the temple, that is, foreigners should not enter the temple. In order for you to be, to not to be tempted to sin, you should not marry women or um, people who are outside of the nation of Israel. Because they will lead you to other religions. In order for you to be different from this world. I'm going to tell you, God said, not to eat this, not to eat pork, for example, or crayfish. In order for you to be different from all of the people. I'm going to ask you to worship the one true God. And not like the nations around you who worship multiple gods. So he separated the nation of Israel and said, I want you to be different. I want you to be special. But now, God says, that which made Israel special, different, those laws, those barriers that were created to preserve them, have now been removed. They have been set aside. They have been destroyed, according to verse 14. That wall of hostility towards outsiders has been removed. That law, those laws and regulations, telling them not to eat this and not to eat that, so they, they are different from the nations around them, have now been removed. God's intention here was to create a new humanity. A new um, uh, humanity that is a, a, a new uh, anthropos. A new people. Out of the two. Uh, the divisions that existed between Jew and Gentile were not to be, the, to be there anymore. But they are going to be one in Christ. The defining feature that God was going to look for on whether someone is acceptable to him or not was not going to be whether the person is a Jew or a Gentile. It was now going to be whether they are in Christ or not. Whether they are trusting in the Messiah that God has sent or not. So now, people who were not friends with each other had something better as a foundation for their friendship. Christ Jesus at the cross. Who died that they no longer um, see one another as strangers but they could be fellow citizens of God's house. They could be members of one family, according to um, Ephesians 1 verse 19. Where is the basis for their friendship? Verse 20 is much more explicit on this. These people, verse 19, let me start by reading there. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Paul says that the foundation of your your friendship is, uh, is the apostles and the prophets. The apostles and prophets, the apostles are the ones that God sent into the world to preach Christ. The prophets are the ones who came to people and told them to turn to God and trust in him. And you find their writings in the Old Testament. And he says Christ is going to be the chief cornerstone in that foundation. He's going to be the one that holds everything together. In other words, the message that, is going to be, that was preached by the, uh, the apostles went around telling them about Jesus Christ who died at the cross and rose again so that they may have life and life eternal. The word of God, the Old Testament, that Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, points to himself. And Jesus Christ was going to be the chief cornerstone of their friendship, of their unity in Christ. And God was going to build them up together to become a holy temple. To become a new house, as it were. A better house than the temple in Israel. And we will see next uh, in chapter 3 that 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 temple is the church. That those who are now part of the church become part of the church by believing in Christ Jesus. God says, I'm building you up as a holy temple in the Lord. That's the, the role of the temple in, uh, in Israel was to give access to God, to the people. So they went there yearly to make sacrifices for their sins. It was built on a high mountain to, rem- to remind them of who God is and the fact that he is accessible to them. He has come to the world and he dwells among them through the temple. Now, this temple that God is building was going to be the church, his people. The church was going to be the beacon of hope. The church was going to be a symbol of God's presence in the world. The church of both Jew and Gentile, of people whose friendship is built on something stronger than the artificial uh, friendships that you find in this world. They are going to be a picture. They are going to be a symbol of God's salvation in the world. This how could God um, guarantee that this is going to happen? How could God guarantee that uh, the church is going to be the new community? That is verified by the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. By the celebration that we are uh, having today. That the one who died at the cross did not just die. Because if he just dies, all the promises that he made 
are actually worthless because he cannot deliver on those promises if he himself is dead. By rising from the grave, he and now seated at the right hand of the Father, he guarantees to us that he can conquer death, that he can give this new life, that he can create this new community, that his blood is sufficient to bring unity between us and God. That his blood is sufficient to bring peace between Jew and Gentile. That his blood is able to bring us near to God as we are far away from him. Because of this day, because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead, we can be confident that our friendship in Christ is based on something stronger because it is based on him, him who rose from the dead. So therefore, this is, this is, a, uh, this is radical news because it means that someone who is a believer who is sitting next to you has been bought by the blood of Christ. They belong to you just as you belong to them. They belong to Christ and you together are one. You, the, the person who is next to you, whether they're Zulu or Venda or French or English, they are part of a new humanity that Christ has built. They are part of the one who makes peace. They, 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 are, they are part of a humanity that God has, um, has purchased through his blood to make peace between you and him. So therefore, old problems don't apply. Old issues are no longer relevant. But what is important is Christ and his death. And that is something to praise God for, isn't it? That Christ has not only united you and I to himself, but he has united us together as well. And he has built our friendship on something stronger, his death on the cross, and not on some artificial thing that can be uh, broken at any moment. Let us... Uh, pray and praise God together for this. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, indeed we praise you for your death on the cross. We praise you that in him you have called us to become one humanity. A new humanity in you. We praise you that you have made peace in one body, you have reconciled both Jew and Gentile to yourself in the cross. We praise you for the resurrected Christ. For his resurrection is our assurance 
that our faith is not in vain. We pray and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.